It is your Friday daily delivery. I am Michael Rand. Glad to be back for another day. Hope you guys are having a good one out there as well. Really good show coming up. Marcus Fuller from the Star Tribune will talk some Gophers men's basketball here in a few minutes. Gophers play Northwestern Saturday at Williams Arena. A tough stretch of games for them, an important stretch of games coming up. Northwestern's a good team this year. They're very good. They could be an NCAA tournament team this year. Gophers trying to get to where they are. They're four and five in the Big Ten right now. Started out three and one, had that slide. A good comeback win at Penn State uh, the other day. And you can say that about every win they've had this year in the Big Ten. They have not had a halftime lead in all nine of their Big Ten games, yet they have won four of them. Be nice for them to get a lead at halftime at some point here. Maybe they can do that on Saturday. Marcus and I will talk a little bit more about their season so far and get into some more college basketball stuff as a whole, including some St. Thomas men's basketball as well. Uh, Got some listener questions at the end of the show and an acknowledgement. Yesterday marked three years of Daily Delivery. Time flies. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Today is episode 769. Can you you believe that? I can't believe that. Thanks to everyone who has listened to all 769. I don't know if anybody has except for me, but uh, we... I. I appreciate all of uh, all of you very much, and uh, thanks for thanks for listening to everything that you have listened to. And uh, yeah, I'll get to some listener questions at the end of the show. Um, the Jim Harbaugh thing at the end of the show as well. First, though, what did I miss? Let's talk about Carl Anthony Towns for a little bit. Named an All Star on uh, on Thursday. A little bit of surprise to me, given that I thought maybe Rudy Gobert would be the Wolves' second All-Star this season if they got one. Anthony Edwards, the first, and that one is, was a little bit more, um, not a guarantee, but you knew that if the team leading the West was going to get at least one. You thought maybe they'd get two. I thought it might be uh, Rudy Gobert. Carl Anthony Towns, though, absolutely deserving of it. It's been very efficient this season. Slow start to the year, but since then, he's been lights out. He's carried them offensively in a lot of games. Had that 62-point game earlier this year, although they lost. Uh, He's just been a very efficient, complementary at some times, but dominant player at others, um, part of this year's team. But I wanted to bring this up in the context of what 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 Cat has done is just is just very impressive. Think about this. Here's a guy who had to do the most adapting to the Rudy Gobert trade, right? Rudy Gobert comes over like 18 months ago, plays Cat's position. Cat's got to move to the four, essentially, for a lot of his minutes, the minutes at least that Gobert isn't on the floor. He's got to learn a new position quickly. Talked about that a lot. He talked about that a lot last year, just the adjustment period, having to, you know, fill a different role defensively, having to fit in a different way offensively. All he's heard about in the last two or three years is how this is becoming Anthony Edwards' team, how everything they're doing is building around Anthony Edwards, even though Cat is now a four-time All-Star, had made three All-Star games before that, um, was certainly worthy of being thought of as at least one of the franchise pillars. And I think they still think of him that way, but a lot of the rhetoric, a lot of the talk, even from Tim Connolly, the president, was that, hey, everything we do from this point forward has to be maximizing Anthony Edwards and his timeline, his skills, his gift. Edwards also certainly worthy of that, but it kind of felt like Towns was being 
pushed a little bit, not out, but pushed a little bit further to the perimeter when it became, uh, when it, when it came to kind of the team's priorities. So here's a guy who, you know, lost his position, lost his stature a little bit, gets hurt last season, has, you know, misses about two thirds of the season, has to sit out. He's got that calf strain. Everybody's saying, why aren't you coming back sooner? What's going on? What's the problem here? Um, you know, he's got this reputation over the years as being not soft, but as being complaining about the refs. People are mad at him about that. I've tried to trade him like eight different times. Uh, I'm not the GM, I'm not the president, but I've tried to trade him like eight different times saying, hey, the Wolves need to need to move on. This is the odd man out. This is the guy that doesn't really fit. You look at all the contracts they've got on the books. You look at next season when, you know, the NBA salary structure changes. Um, now is the time to trade Cat. I was on that all off season uh, before the trade deadline last year, thinking this could be an issue before the trade deadline this year, which is only a handful of days away now. Um, so we've tried to trade him a whole bunch of times thinking, hey, this isn't the guy that fits. The start of this season, um, at media day, it was an awkward energy, I felt like, when when Cat was there. He just didn't seem like he was into it. He was all business, very serious, short answers. You're like, ah, what's up with Cat? What's going on here? Is he not happy here? All of that, through all of that, comes back this year and is an all-star, is voted in by coaches as a reserve along with Edwards Thursday night. That's just impressive to me. I, I gotta give I gotta stop and just give him the the recognition he deserves for the season he is having so far this year. He's been really good in a lot of these games. Good enough, like I said, to be an all-star, to be worthy of selection, to be now in his fourth all-star game. That's an, impre- that's an impressive resume. It, lets you, it reminds you of just how good Carl Anthony Towns can be when he is at his best. I still wonder, like, long-term where this is all going. The salaries have got to there's something's got to be done about salaries, or they've got to decide they're going to pay all these guys for the foreseeable future. But right now, right in this moment, he has reestablished himself as a key player, as a star player on a very good team. I didn't know if he'd ever get back to this point, especially when he was hurt last season, especially when the fit seemed weird last year. We're not talking about how he and Rudy Gobert fit together anymore. We're talking about what pieces could the Wolves add around this to be a deep, deep, deep playoff team and maybe even an NBA title contender this season? Part of that certainly is because of Carl Anthony Towns. There's a lot of components to this team, but he is certainly one of the most important ones this season. He has been tremendous, deserving of being an all-star, especially after all that has happened in the last 18 months. Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion, the hope, the anticipation, that incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino. Let your story begin. I want to talk Gophers men's basketball today, and I know just the guy to do it. Marcus Fuller from the Star Tribune joins me here now. Marcus, how you doing? Pretty good. Yeah, we're uh, enjoying some pretty good weather now, and uh, you know, interesting. It kind of feels like it's uh, spring, you know, after know. the NCAA tournament, but we're we're not even in March yet, so this is uh, interesting. Barely into February. We're recording right now, and it's February first. It it does it does feel like spring right now. We know it'll come around a little bit, but once you get to February, you are 
talking about, hey, we kind of know a little bit more about these teams. They're trying to make a move, trying to make a push in this month so that they're in a good good spot once March comes. Um, I don't think the Gophers right now are dealing too much in you know scoreboard watching or too much net rating kind of looks, but they're just trying to get better every day, winning some games. Four and five in the Big Ten right now, Marcus. And you told me before we started recording – They've trailed at halftime of every single Big Ten game, but won four of them, including a pretty big comeback against Penn State, their last game out. Imagine if they ever had a halftime lead. What would they do? Well, you know, Ben Johnson would say, and a number of coaches have said this, even though I, it's it's weird because when I was playing, I never heard it. <laughs> but it's one of the most overrated stats in, in, in basketball or sports is the halftime score. Of course, okay. you know, you could say that if you're, uh, Detroit Lions, you know, next right? Championship game, but um, I think that you know what it says is that obviously you know the Gophers are a second half team, but also you know it, really it's about um, how they started the game, what type of lineups they've had starting the game, you know how well do those lineups you know match up with what they're trying to do philosophy wise, and um, you know it takes them a half to make adjustments. To that, you know, I, I think a lot of teams kind of know their identity going in and they stick with that. I think the Gophers have kind of adapted to the teams in the Big Ten, whoever they've played, they've played. Um, you know, they want to play fast, but you can't necessarily do that in the Big Ten. You know, that leads to a lot of turnovers and, uh, you know, quick shots. And, um, you know, they find themselves in the second half, maybe playing a little bit of uh, slow paced basketball. Um, you know, playing some zone defenses, you know, trying to work it inside to their post players. Um, and then it's helped them win some games, you know. But I think that for the most part, when you have that stat, you don't expect to win four out of nine games. And I think they've done that with, you know, more depth this season, more talent, um, guys stepping up uh, like the last game. And uh, I think Ben Johnson's hanging his hat on on that right now, that he's got some more depth than he's ever had. Can they take what they've been doing in the second half and incorporate it into the first half? Or is it like what you said, it takes them a little while to adjust and figure out, okay, this is the kind of game we're playing. Now we can now we can get to it. I think if they that's the idea, right? I mean, they would have they would have done it if they could do that. Um, it just hasn't happened. And I just think, you know, because they've had some different lineups, they've had guys out, you know, they haven't really figured out how to play together. Um, until later in the game, you know, and 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 also really, um, the the for some reason it just there's this light that just pops on, and they get really motivated when they're down, you know. I think that they've been pretty close a couple times, taking a halftime lead, um, and it just didn't didn't work out. But um, you know, they've been they've been really blown out in some games early, and they've turned it around, and that's the surprising part. It's not just that they're down at halftime. <laughs> You know, it would be one thing if, hey, you know, you're down nine in nine games at halftime by, you know, three points or four right. points or, you know, single digits. But they've been down several times, you know, double digits and, and high, you know, like 16 points, uh, 20 points, 14, you know, at Penn State. So um, this is a pretty significant turnaround for them in some games uh, to not only win, but to to get back into it. And like you said, if if you're able to start a little better especially on the road, you know, if you're playing like a Michigan state or you're playing, um, you know, they don't play Wisconsin on the road this year, but some of those games, 
that if you win these, these are resume building wins. Uh, you don't want to be trailing at halftime on the road. That's for sure. No, but they were able to come come away with a win, like you said, at Penn State, which was an important one. It stopped their slide that they'd been on, stopped kind of the, you know, they hadn't been playing all that poorly in some of those games, almost beat Wisconsin, had, you know, had a chance there, had, had, they were in other games, but needed to get a win and some not unlikely people emerging, but, you know, Parker Fox has a good game in that one. And they're, you know, they're kind of, their depth gets tested. Other guys emerge. Um, you talked about the depth, what, you know, Parker Fox, what's he bringing to the table? What are some of these other guys who maybe weren't playing super prominent roles? What are they bringing to the table right now? Yeah. I mean, like I said, Ben Johnson has a lot more depth this year um, and you're seeing it tested uh, a few games ago at Michigan state, Elijah Hawkins, the starting point guard was out and um, you know, they had to adjust to that and they nearly pulled that game out. Um, Cam Christie, Mike Mitchell, Jr., uh, Braden Carrington, you know, those guys had to step up in Elijah's absence. You know, they hadn't had that guard depth last year. Uh, so, you know, it was a similar situation at Penn State last weekend. Pharrell Payne was out. He's been starting some games in the front court. Um, you know, they went with a similar starting lineup that they had in the past with Joshua Joseph and Dawson Garcia. But, you know, uh, that leaves you with a pretty big void in in the middle as far as uh, a rim uh, rim protection. And, um, you know, in the first half, they were just obliterated in the post. Um, I think uh, Penn State scored about 24 points in the paint, and they were pretty much getting everything they wanted, even with his own defense, which is kind of shocking. And then in the second half, you know, they, they kind of made some adjustments, went back to man, and, and Parker Fox had, I think, three of his four blocks in the second half. Um, he Dawson uh, played a little bit better defense, and so did old Joseph. Uh, and it, it, just the entire team, and that helped spark them. You know, Parker's known for uh, being an, an athlete. I mean, he's always been that his whole life. But you know, two knee injuries, and he's still uh, jumping up there and dunking and, and blocking shots. That's pretty incredible. Um, it, it's 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 a uh, it's a spark for this team. It definitely gave them momentum. On the offensive end, Dawson Garcia and uh, Cam Christie had a huge second half, and that's what lifted them. But I would say that Parker, you're you're right. I mean, from game to game, when Pharrell was healthy, you're not sure what you're going to get from him minutes wise. Um, but they needed to play him quite a bit um, that night, and he delivered. Where are they health wise now? Where's where's uh, where's Payne at? Where are they at with everybody else? We'll find out here pretty quick before the game. But I think uh, Pharrell um, definitely benefited from having almost a week off from playing. Um, they played last Saturday and they'll play this Saturday versus Northwestern. So uh, that was, you know, resting him a game and giving him a week to to, to kind of get his foot uh, back in order. I'm sorry, um, it was his foot early in the year. Now it's his back. Um, he, he has some uh, some back pain that really, I, I think in the offseason, he might need some surgery. Um, but, you know, right now, um, you know, he just has to kind of, you know, get through it. And, um, you know, I mean, this is a guy who, when he's playing, he's one of the best young post players in the Big Ten. And, you know, when he's not out there, um, you know, it doesn't matter who you face, you have to uh, replace that. And, um, you know, he's been battling through it for several games, pretty much all season. Uh, and he was, this is the first time, um, you know, that he was out because of his back. So, uh, you know, I think, Ben said the last time we talked to him that he was going to give it a go uh, if he could. 
Um, you know, he's been a questionable in every game in the last couple weeks. Uh, so I would expect it to be a game time decision. And, you know, um, you know, we haven't talked about it yet, but they're in a stretch here where there's really some tough opponents. Uh, you know, not that Penn State on the road was not, but, you know, we're talking about the upper echelon of the Big Ten. And so having Pharrell out there is going to be critical. Yeah, you mentioned I was going to get to that now. So that's a good segue. You know, Northwestern at uh, Williams Arena on Saturday. I believe the next game after that is another home game against Michigan State. Opportunities here, especially at home. But you're right, a, a challenging slate. You know, the Big Ten kind of dividing itself pretty clearly into, you know, the very elite teams. But then this kind of next level, Northwestern definitely in that group. Um, you know, how much do you think it would mean to them to? to get a win Saturday and how do you think they navigate this stretch of, of better opponents? Yeah. I mean, I, I think uh, we talked about it um, or I wrote about it a couple weeks ago that they were going into a stretch of seven games. Five of them would be quad one opportunities. Um, you know, the net rating changes every week. And right now uh, I was going to look it up, but Northwestern is their next opponent and they're uh, 55 in the net. And so they're, you know, they're just outside of that, um, you know, quad one victory if the Gophers were to beat them at home. But at the same time, you know, Northwestern is an NCAA tournament team. Um, and they've proven that um, last year and they're proving it again this year. And so if you can beat a team that is expected to make the NCAA tournament right now, I think you can hang that on your resume. And, you know, you got to protect the home court. Um, they've lost the last couple games at home, you know, really good opponents, but you know, when you're playing, um, the upper part of the big 10, um, you know, you expect that the home corn advantage will, will help you pull some of those out. Uh, you know, that after that, you know, it, it, it doesn't get easier for them. I mean, you know, they play Michigan state at home again, uh, or a rematch of the road game they lost. And Michigan State, I would say, is playing a lot better this year than they were earlier in the season, but uh, still a team that they were capable of beating on the road, and you expect that they would be, have a better chance at home. So if they can come away with a couple of those wins uh, and get back above 500 in the Big Ten, you know, we're not talking NCAA tournament, but I would say that that's a clear indication that this team um, is several steps ahead from last year, uh, the last two years and is on their way to, um, you know, being a solid team in that middle of the pack in the conference. And that's, you know, that's important every year, but, you know, starting next year with the addition of new teams in the conference, going to 18 teams now, um, let's talk a little bit about just the the change in the Big Ten tournament. You wrote about this. I've seen it. Um, not everybody's going to get in at a certain point. What do you What do you think about that and just the changes to the format? And what does Ben Johnson think about that? Well, that's going to be a little strange for beat writers because, you know, obviously, you know, we love covering the Big Ten, but if your team doesn't make it, you're probably not going, you know. So um, I think that I, if the Minnesota, obviously, were playing uh, next year with a record they had the past two years, they would not have made it. Um and I think Ben Johnson is not the only one uh, is probably a little frustrated by this uh, decision. Um, you know, there's a lot of teams that you never know. I mean, Ohio State was, you know, at the top of the league a couple of years ago. And now, you know, they're beneath the Gophers in the standings. And last year, they were right there uh, in that bottom three. 
So we're talking about Ohio State, one of the prominent teams, you know, in the in the Big Ten over the course of the last ten years, being left out. You know, if they were, uh, if it was, uh, uh, you know, last year. Um, so I think that you know he's what he said uh, was 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 correct, and that sometimes you don't know what's going to happen at the end of the year with injuries and a little slide, and um, you know you don't want to prevent a team from playing the postseason when all they need to you know is a game or two to get healthy, and they're a totally different squad. Um, he was saying that he he would hope that you know that they would have a chance to like play themselves into it if they finished in the bottom three you know, like a, somehow a matchup of those sure. teams, um, you know, sort of like what they did with the NSA tournament, you know, those playing games, right. but I, I don't think that's happening. And I mean, obviously it's not happening at this point. And, um, you know, that's just the decision they've made. Um, you know, I was, I agreed with the, uh, sticking with the 20 game big 10 schedule. I think adding some, um, would just make it impossible to schedule really quality non-conference games, especially at home, um, too many of those. And that, you know, you want to re reward your fans for coming to the non-conference games and not having to always play, you know, the Southwest, whatever states of the world. Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, it, it just doesn't, um, you know, it doesn't make it uh, appealing um, during uh, late November and, you know, early December to always see, see those opponents. So, um, yeah, I, I just do, I just do think that, um, you know, sh shortening the Big Ten field in the Big Ten tournament was uh, probably not something that went well with the coaches. So they're down to, so three teams will miss it. So 15 teams will make it. That's a weird number to arrive at, but I guess right. they've got it. They've got, I guess they've got it figured out as to how that will work. Which essentially is more than currently. Right. Um, but obviously, if you add four teams and they're not, you know, necessarily uh, bottom level teams, no, you're talking about potentially, you know, three current, you know, traditional big big 10 teams not making it you know can you imagine you know that three of the four new teams let's say they replace three of the big 10 teams currently you know and so then instead of having you know i'm just throwing it out there you know ohio state and and you know rutgers and penn state yeah and then you you know you, you replace that with ucla and usc and and oregon you know um that's going to be in, unusual, you know, and those teams that aren't, the, that aren't making it, you know, you don't have a chance to make a run to the conference tournament championship and get into the NCAA tournament. Your season is essentially over uh, after the regular season. Yeah, it'd be different for sure and something to get used to. I mean, everything's going to be something to get used to next year. I mean, this is going to be just a, a wild scene, different in some sports than others. But, you know, the, the teams they're adding in general in a lot of these sports and especially college basketball, uh, they're pretty good. They're going to be pretty good. The competition is not going to get any easier. They're going to have to be even more ready to go. Um, Marcus, a couple final things for you. One, the shift away from the Gophers. You wrote about St. Thomas men's basketball for basketball across Minnesota and uh, a guard who's finding kind of finding his way. Tell me a little bit more about that story. Yeah, thanks for mentioning it. Um, really fun column that I have. You know, Chip does Chip Scoggins, our columnist, does a great job with football across Minnesota. And, um, you know, I love basketball. Um, not just, uh, you know, at the college level, but all levels. Um, but in this story, Drake Dobbs from St. Thomas, he is a, a familiar name for a lot of people here playing for Eden Prairie, one of the best teams 
um, maybe ever, uh, you know, his senior year, they were 28 and all, and they beat Chad Holmgren and, and uh, Jalen Suggs Minnehaha Academy team by double figures and beat Dawson Garcia's prior Lake team, blew them out. I mean, they're beating everybody, uh, but they didn't get to play in the state tournament that year because of COVID, um, you know, shut down the state tournament. So, you know, they'll, 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 they'll go uh, down in history as undefeated. They'll, they're fine with that. But after he left uh, Eden Prairie, you know, he's kind of had a winding path, went to Liberty, um, came to St. Thomas. And when he got to St. Thomas, uh, he, he got there in the middle of the year, had to sit out. Um, and when he uh, was thought he was eligible, um, he, he struggled a little bit academically, had never done that before, you know, and that's something that a lot of people, there's a stigma to that, right? Like, if yeah. you write, oh, academically ineligible, you know, people automatically think, oh, this guy, you know, he's never been a good student and, you know, what's wrong with him not taking academics as a priority? Well, that hasn't been the case. You know, he admitted that and he wasn't ashamed to talk about it, that he had never had trouble academically until that point, just maybe not taking it as serious as he should have during the summer. And so he had to sit out 22 games uh, first semester. Um, you know, he he wasn't um really all into it mentally coming back from that. But he turned himself around this year and uh, became a leader. And, you know, it was just a story that, like I said, not a lot of kids are willing to uh, fess up about that. And and he he turned himself into, uh, you know, one of the top uh, most improved players in the Summit League. Um, you know, and the Drake Dobbs that we saw at Eden Prairie is starting to show up quite a bit for the Tommies uh, his senior year. And he's helping them contend in the Summit. Yeah, what they're tied for second in the summit. They have had some nice wins, some competitive games this season. And man, I loved your lead or just the first handful of paragraphs talking about, man, being on an all metro team with two future NBA lottery picks is uh, is quite a quite an accomplishment. And he he held his own, you know, like it's not like you're like what is this guy doing on that team? You right. know, if you watched him play those teams, you would know like, you know, Drake Dobbs um was uh, was him as the younger generation likes to call it. But no, I, I again, those stories don't always, um, you know, get told um, when you're talking about academics. There's a negative stigma to that. But I, I think, you know, he turned it in definitely into a positive. I liked at the end of the piece, too, you, you talked about a Division II uh, showdown. Minnesota State, Mankato, and MSU Moorhead played each other. Mankato won 19-1. We don't shine a light on Division II all the time, so I'm glad you were able to do that. Yeah, I mean, I, I did a BAM on them a couple weeks ago, yep. maybe just last week, and, you know, they both shared the number one ranking at one point this year, and I knew that that game was going to be down the road when they play each other. I just thought maybe one of them would be number one at that time, but, you know, they both, you know, it has to happen, right? They both lost the game before that. Still, you know, top 10, top five teams in the country, and uh, there's just a lot of good basketball, like you said, not just at the Division One level. Now we have two Division One teams in the state, but um, Division Two, II, Division Three, uh, a lot of good teams, a lot of good players. Go check out Marcus's work, Star Tribune, startribune.com. Not just the Gophers, although that is the main beat he covers, plenty of other basketball content in there as well. Marcus, appreciate it. Um, enjoy your work and enjoy the rest of your day. We'll talk to you down the road. I will. Stay warm out there. Royal Credit Union Smart Checking Accounts offer no monthly fees and no minimum balance. Enjoy financial freedom when you open your Royal Credit Union Smart Checking Account online at rcu.org slash gochecking. Insured by NCUA. 
Really appreciate Marcus jumping on with me. And again, big game for the Gophers on Saturday against Northwestern at home. Chance to get another quality win. Chance to get back to 500 in the Big Ten. Feels like the kind of toss-up game you would like to see them win if indeed they are improved this season. Really quick, uh, before we get to the cooler, Jim Harbaugh introduced as head coach of the Chargers, and apparently he has a vision for living in an RV for a little while. Let's let Jim Harbaugh explain from his introductory news conference. Okay, so uh, I want to I drive my RV out. I want to drive my RV out and, uh, and, and, and go to a trailer park, uh, you know, like down by the water or uh, by Disneyland. There'll be two that I've researched that are close to the facility. And uh, I want to Jim Rockford it for the, uh, <laughs> for the, for the next uh, couple months until we move to the new facility. That's, I have that thought going through my head. <laughs> you know, people have been making fun of, for, of him about this a little bit, but uh, I, I kind of like this. I think this is, you know, why not live that life for a little while? Decompress a little bit. Maybe that's a nice way to have some familiarity. You know, he's in his like early 60s now. It's kind of like a like dabbling in retirement without really being retired. I'm sure he's going to be working, you know, massive days, things like that. But why not? Why not ease into things? Just go take, take your RV down to California, chill out by the beach or something like that. Hang out for a while. Why not? Go go for, go crazy, Jim Harbaugh. Why not? And, you know, always important to remember, too, with him joining the Chargers, that that was a possibility for the Vikings a couple of years ago. Maybe he would have been driving an RV near you somewhere here in the Twin Cities, but instead he is in LA and we'll see how that all works out for everybody. Let us finish with the cooler now. A couple of listener questions. Like I said at the beginning of the show, kind of had this idea in honor of three years of daily delivery. Like I said, episode 769. That is a lot of daily deliveries. Thank you all for listening to this. And yeah, here is a couple of listener questions that I liked from the past couple weeks. One of them from a Detroit Lions fan. Not so much a serious one. We'll get to that one in a minute. The other one, uh, the other one's a little bit more serious. Listener Mark says, not looking for an, ex- not seeking an exhaustive study, but wondering over a recent time span, say three to five years, the degree to which a season series between two conference foes in the NBA accurately reflects a later playoff matchup, not merely wins and losses, but maybe in other angles. Interesting question. I'm sure he's looking ahead to the potential for the Wolves, things like that, what teams they might match up with, better or worse. I didn't do an exhaustive study. I looked at some wolf stuff from recent years to see if I could glean anything. Um, here's like here's something from last year, right? The Wolves came in, went into the Denver series kind of confident because they had split the season series two two, right? And they were getting some guys back. They were healthy. They thought they matched up pretty well with the Nuggets, who eventually were the NBA champs. The Wolves lost that series four to one, but it was fairly competitive. Maybe not as competitive as they might have tried to make it seem in retrospect. But again, the Wolves were missing a lot of key players in that series too, um, especially Jaden McDaniels in that series. That was a big one for them that they were missing in that series. So in the regular season, they split 2-2, but the Wolves won a blowout over Denver when Nikola Jokic didn't play. Two nights later, he plays. He's a plus 40. They route the Wolves. The other two games were, were you know, maybe more of a true even split and gave the Wolves some, some confidence. But I think so much of this is determined by 
who plays during the regular season, who who's resting, who's injured. That, to me, is the bigger storyline than how each team fared. Um, I went back, just for, for sake of comparison, the last time the Wolves were truly great, 2003-04. Yes, that was 20 years ago. Um, they, they beat Sacramento three out of four times in the season series, then went on to win that N- NBA Western Conference semifinal series uh, four games to three. I think some of it is stylistic. Some of it... You know, you look at teams that the Wolves might match up better or worse against. I think they're a a good competitive matchup with like or uh, Oklahoma City this year. We've seen that with all four of they of those games being split two two. The last two being especially close. I think they still match up decently with Denver. I'd say a team like the Clippers that can play five out, put all the guys on the perimeter, stretch them out a little bit, and take away a little bit of the effectiveness of a guy like Rudy Gobert who just really controls the middle. A team like that with Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, um, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, that could give them problems if that was a matchup at some point. But again, not saying they couldn't beat them. And they did, in fact, beat them earlier this year when the Clippers were more or less at full strength and getting hot. So I think it matters how you're playing in the moment. Some of it's stylistic. A lot of it is health. And that's what I would say is more important than, hey, how did the season series go in the course of the regular season? And finally, listener Clark weighs in from Detroit. Subject line, hey, bleep. Email says, Dan Campbell is the man in Detroit. We may not have won the Super Bowl, but we did way better than anybody else thought that we would. Uh, by the, the 49ers were the better team in the second half, but I defend Campbell going for it because our kicker situation has been a bit dicey, and we did pretty good on fourth down conversions. And had Reynolds not dropped the ball, that game would have been different. But it is what it is. LOL, I just read your article and had to defend my team. God bless you and yours from cold, snowy Detroit, Michigan. There was not a single period in that email. But you know what? From the humble beginning of it, where he called me an expletive to the whole nature of it, I kind of softened on uh, on Clark. Didn't didn't hate it as much as I would. I was worried about where we were going after that introduction. But you know what? A lot of the points he made are just fine. I still think Campbell would have been better served kicking a field goal at least in one of those situations and that his game management at the end of the game left something to be desired. But yeah, at the end of the day, if they get one or two things to go their way, if they don't fumble, if they don't drop passes, if they don't have a potential interception bounce off a a defensive back's helmet, we are probably talking about Detroit playing Kansas City in the Super Bowl and not San Francisco. So a lot of that was second-guessing. Some of that was, hey, you should have made the right decision in the moment. So thank you for the emails. Thank you for the comments, everybody. Appreciate all of you very much. We'll be back at it again on Monday with Patrick Royce. Until then, enjoy your weekend. I'm Michael Rand. We'll see you then.